Welcome back to another episode of It's the Flat Out Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Bravo Colon. I hope everyone had a good week and had a great Passover and Hagmatzah and Bikarim or First Fruits. And that you've begun the counting of the Omer. Well, my prayer for all of you is that you find yourselves well in Messiah who has given himself for us so that we may be able to find our way back to the Father. Everything that we speak here will be on our blog at it's the flatouttruth.wordpress.com or it's the flatouttruth.blogspot.com. Now, I know that these times that we're living in are definitely trying. They're definitely trying times. And it's more important than ever now that we persevere and remain in his presence. I want to share with you a psalm that I read whenever I feel uh, fear coming on or unsure of something or just doubting whatever that may be going on. And it's Psalm 91. It reads, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, You are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly plague. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the calamity that destroys at noon. Though a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, no harm will come near you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling, my refuge, the most high. No evil will befall you. No plague will approach your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and cobra. You will trample the young lion and serpent. A little something that always helps me through difficult times. And I pray that it may keep you encouraged. But let's begin. The journey that we're about to embark on, if you haven't began already, is a long and a hard one. But don't be deceived by some teachers who say all of your troubles have come to an end when you come and give your life over to Messiah. No, indeed. I'm here to tell you that there is a price we must pay, and the road is long and hard. We must give up certain things and lose others. But at what cost? Have you ever stopped to think about that? At what cost? To follow Messiah requires a price. But I thought the price was already paid. I thought Yeshua paid the price for us, you say. Well, yes, he did. But to follow him, we must pay a price. Because we're not of this world. And the system that rules this world is very much aware of that fact. And because of that, 
we are made to pay dearly via the pain of persecution and suffering. As we can see in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Let's look at what the word persecute means. It's to subject someone to hostility and ill treatment, especially because of their race or political or religious beliefs. This definition comes out of the Oxford Dictionary. Now in the Thayer, it says, which is um, G1377, and the Thayer defines it as to make, to run or flee, to put to flight, drive away, to pursue in a hostile manner, to be mistreated, suffer persecution on account of something. So we begin this part of Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Practicing righteousness appears to carry a price tag with it, in that Yeshua is saying that it is a blessing to be persecuted for the sake of righteousness. But I thought everything is supposed to get better when I come to Messiah. It does get better in that the future no longer holds an eternal torment for our soul. We have skipped over death into life by way of the selfless sacrifice of Yeshua in the giving up of his life so that we might live. We grew up hearing repeatedly, nothing in life is free. This phrase is one that is hammered into our very innermost being by way of our parents, grandparents, teachers, preachers, and society in general. Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The fact that our salvation is a gift, which means it can't be earned, or bought for that matter, right? This way, the only one able to receive glory and praise for this is our eternal Father, to whom all glory, honor, and praise be. So then, if it's a gift, why is there a price tag of suffering and persecution attached to it? Well, just as silver and gold has to be tried by fire to extract its purity, we must also be tried by fire 
so that the purity that resides deep inside of us that has been hidden and forgotten about because of our sins and our distancing from Hashem may be extracted as well. The fire has definitely been turned up, especially during this time of COVID-19 quarantine. And it will test our faith and clarify our beliefs beyond a shadow of a doubt. What we have entered is what Yeshua described as the beginning of birth pains. Let's take a look at the scriptures in Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 to 14. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Yeshua answered them, Be careful that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will lead many astray. And you will hear war of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must happen. But it is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these things are only the beginning of birth pains. Then they will hand you over to persecution and will kill you. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. And then many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. In a previous podcast, this scripture was read to describe the fact that we have to endure, that we have to persevere to the end. But here, we're going to refer to the fact that Yeshua was warning us of certain troubling times, but in the same breath, he was warning us that it will only wind up getting worse as this system continues to introduce the new way of doing things, the new world order, the new normal as they have penned it. It's amazing how we have read this scripture for years and I speak for myself here when I say I could never have imagined what they have gone through for just believing in Messiah. But the one question that I've been asking lately is, are we as believers really ready for what is about to come? Will we break under the pressures of the coming persecution? No matter what, no matter what happens, we must not give up, even unto death. In the writings of Josephus in Antiquities of the Jews, book 20, chapter 9, he mentions Yaakov, or James, Yeshua's brother, in paragraph 1. Festus was now dead, and Albinus was 
but upon the road. So he assembled the Sanhedrin of judges and brought before them the brother of Yeshua, who was called Messiah, whose name was Yaakov or James and some others or some of his companions. And when he had formed an accusation against them as breakers of the law, he delivered them to be stoned. But as for those who seemed the most equitable of citizens and such as were the most uneasy at the breach of the laws, they disliked what was done. We can read in Fox's Book of Martyrs and get a glimpse at the horrific way that the apostles suffered death at the hand of radicalism. Approximately 34 AD, a year after Yeshua's crucifixion, Stephen was taken outside of the city of Jerusalem and was stoned to death, accused of blasphemy. Approximately 2,000 Christians suffered martyrdom in Jerusalem during this period. And about 10 years later, James, the son of Zebedee, the elder brother of Yochanan or John, was killed when Herod Agrippa arrived as governor of Judea. Agrippa detested the Christian sect of the Jews, and many early disciples were martyred under his rule, including Timon, Parmenas, and around 54 AD, Philip, a disciple from Bethsaida in Galilee, suffered martyrdom at Heliopolis in Phrygia. He was scourged, thrown into prison, and afterwards crucified. About six years later, Matthew, the tax collector from Nazareth, who wrote his gospel in Hebrew, was preaching in Ethiopia when he suffered martyrdom by the sword. And here we read James, the brother of Jesus, or Yeshua, administered the early church in Jerusalem and was the author of an epistle by his name. At age 94, listen close, at age 94, he was beat and stoned, finally had his brains bashed out with the Fuller's Club. And Matthias was the apostle who filled the vacant place of Judah, and he was stoned at Jerusalem and then beheaded. Wow. These forerunners of the faith that we hold so dearly had to pave the road with their lives, with their blood. And this is true devotion. This is true surrender to the one true God. Blessed be his glorious name. Meanwhile, the wicked seem to prosper. It's a sad state of affairs that we experience on a daily basis, where the one who wants to live a righteous life is criticized and persecuted for just believing in God. So why? Why must we suffer? I've asked myself this question so many times before and never quite understood the answers that were thrown at me until recently as I was reading Matthew chapter 16, verses 23 to 25 concerning the taking up of the cross and denying myself. Let's read this passage. But Yeshua turned and said to Kepha, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you do not have in mind the things of God, 
but the things of men. And then Yeshua told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And there are many by no means that will not escape martyrdom, even in this present age, as we have been witnesses to the beheadings of our co-laborers along the shores of the Middle East while dressed up in orange jumpsuits. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What is the definition of suffering? The definition of suffering is the condition of one who suffers, the bearing of pain or distress, an instance of pain or distress. You find that definition in the free dictionary. This concept, it's hard to understand if one isn't spiritually mature, because how can a person be joyous while he's suffering? It is that very joy that holds us together. Through suffering, we are being sanctified. Every time we're thrown into the fire, we are being purified a little more. The chaff is being consumed from our lives. We then rejoice. Just as the apostles rejoiced in Acts chapter 5, verses 37 through 41. Let's read that. After this fellow, Judah the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and got people to follow him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So now I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or undertaking is of men, it will come to an end. But if it is of God, you will not be able to stop them. You might even be found fighting against God. They took his advice, called in the emissaries, flogged them, ordered them not to continue speaking in the name of Yeshua, and let them go. So they left the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were considered worthy to be dishonored on account of his name. Wow. Can we even come close to this in our present time? of comfortable zones, our plush sofas, thousand and one cable channels, 24-hour Walmarts. During this time where we are commanded to stay home, people are starting to go out of their minds. And let me tell you that this is nothing compared to what awaits us. As I said before, this journey isn't for everyone. If you want me to lie to you, and tell you that it won't be that hard, or you've got another thing coming to you. Because I won't sugarcoat the truth to protect your feelings. My God tells me, spread the truth, not spread political correctness. Because your sensitive self can't accept the truth. Have I lost my acquaintances? Why, yes. But it would only prove they weren't genuine to begin with. Look what happened to Yeshua's followers. They scattered like dust in the wind, but only because they failed to remember the words of our master 
in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. How narrow is the gate and difficult the way that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Even Paul, he wrote to Timothy in his second letter in chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Messiah Yeshua will be persecuted. So then, at what cost? At what cost are you willing to serve the one true God who can save your soul from eternal damnation? Nowadays, we have a different type of gospel preached to us from the pulpit. The message is a sugar-coated, feel-good message that is designed to keep you from the truth. It's called a prosperity gospel. Yeshua told us to lay for ourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt. But lately, we've been storing treasures for ourselves here on earth. The pastor tells you, we're going to pray that God heals your finances. I see a new car in your future and a new house. Don't misquote me. Please, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy so long as it doesn't become your God. But it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5, through 5, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Messiah Yeshua, who is about to judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Proclaim the word. Be ready when it's convenient or inconvenient. Confront, rebuke, encourage with complete patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not put up with sound instruction, but they will pile up for themselves teachers in keeping with their own desires to have their ears tickled. And they will turn away from hearing the truth and wander off to myths. You, however, keep a clear mind in all things, withstand hardship, do the work of proclaiming the good news and fulfill your service. In our suffering, we have a blessed assurance from Abba Kadosh in Isaiah 43.2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In 1 Peter chapter 3.14, it says, But even... If you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And also a promise. If we teshuva, or repent, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 3 to 15. If I shut up heaven that there is no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, when my people over whom my name is called, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 
Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. At what cost? What are you willing to give up to spend eternity with the eternal father and his son, our blessed Messiah, Yeshua? The price was paid for our souls. Yes, that's true. But we have to realize that by not being part of this world, we are exposed to the hostility of the rulers of darkness at every turn and every second of our lives. This, my friend, will be the longest battle for your life. The greatest struggle, but we're not alone. Adonai tells us in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, Then he responded to me by saying, This is the word of Adonai to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my ruach, says Adonai Zevaot, or the Lord of hosts, for those who are unfamiliar with the Hebrew. Although the battle is hard, the journey long, and the persecution persistent, we have promises from our Elohim that if we hold on to them, we will make it into the kingdom of heaven if we faint not. This battle, this battle is not a physical battle. Since it's a battle for our soul, it's a spiritual battle. Paul told the Ephesians in the sixth chapter, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Keep this readily available for each battle. The one thing never, ever to forget is that these promises are for those who walk in the commandments. Yeshua said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we find in Proverbs 28, verse 9, one who turns his ear from hearing Torah, even his prayer is an abomination. And again, I repeat the scripture, of Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 to 15. If I shut up heaven that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, when my people, over whom my name is called, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. But many say, oh, we're not under the commandments. But then you have to ask yourself this one question. Let's just say you catch your significant other cheating. Didn't she break a commandment or... Is adultery now acceptable that the commandments were abolished? Now, the commandments 
do not have the power to save. Only the blood of Yeshua can by his selfless sacrifice. But when you enter a relationship, one is actually bound by rules and regulations governing that relationship, correct? The Torah, the Torah is a guide of how to please our God by obeying his word. After all, he made us and he knows what's best for us, right? But our problem is that we want to serve our way and still satisfy our flesh in some way, shape or form. And it cannot be that way. Like I said, this journey isn't for everyone. Remember the rich young man Yeshua told to sell everything and give it all away. He left sad because he had accumulated a lot of riches for himself. And God doesn't change. He remains the same forever and his word until the new heaven and new earth are created. To obey is better than sacrifice. What are you willing to give up? Are you willing to walk down this path even unto death? When a couple gets married, in the vows we hear them say, to have and to hold for richer for poor in sickness and in health until death do we part. This is a lifelong journey that we're on. It's a step-by-step -step process. And if you're willing to walk it, at the end, there is a reward waiting for you. The decision is yours. Only you can take that first step. Eternity is on the line for each of us. We readily dedicate our lives to our careers, our families. Why not dedicate them to God first? Matthew 6, 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? Verse 32 goes on to say, For the pagans eagerly pursue all these things, yet your Father in heaven knows that you need all these. 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And finishing off that scripture, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The ball is now in your court, my friend, and in your hands. Choose wisely what your next move will be. If you're listening to this podcast and feel you have been blessed through it, please consider sharing it with someone you think will be equally blessed. Please like, comment, and subscribe. And you can email us at itstheflatouttruth at gmail.com. And you can hear us on your favorite podcast platform or read our blog by clicking on our Linktree link. Remember, you have the power to choose, but the consequence or reward of your choice stands alongside it. May Hashem bless you today and always. Amen. My family, my friends, it is an immense privilege and honor to spend this time with you here on It's the Flat Out Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Bravo Colon. The one thing that you can definitely be sure of 
is that God is not man that he should lie. His word will be fulfilled as it is revealing itself before our very eyes. So please, please, please be safe out there. Be aware of your surroundings and help those in need, mainly the elderly and the widow and the orphans. Show your human side. We can make a difference in someone's life. Be true to your own self. Bless others as God has blessed you. To those of you who continue to support us, our sincerest gratitude goes out to you. As I borrow the words of a very wise man, we never do it alone. Please help spread this podcast. Until next week, we bid you a Shavuot Tov, and may Hashem bless you and keep you. Hashem make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Hashem lift his countenance on you and give you shalom. Trust in Hashem. He won't let you down. Shalom Aleichem, my family. Shalom Aleichem, my friends. Until next week, stay blessed, stay safe, and help those in need.